Hello, and welcome to the Partnerships for Progress podcast, conversations to fuel innovation in higher education. In today's episode, I sit down with Earl Buford, president of the Council for Adult and Experiential Learning, to talk about how more than 9.1 million adult learners attend the country's 4,000 colleges and universities, where they comprise almost 49% of total enrollment. Listen in as we discuss how institutions can create opportunities to help the workforce population who are depending on upskilling and reskilling to achieve equitable economic mobility. Through innovation and collaboration, educators, trainers, employers, industry groups, and policymakers can align in support of adult learners and workers. I am thrilled to welcome Earl Buford, president of Kale, the Council for Adult and Experiential Learning. Kale is dedicated to aligning educators, trainers, employers, industry groups, and policymakers in support of equitable economic mobility outcomes for learners and workers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Earl. Thank you, man, for having me. And, and special thanks to you for spelling out Kale. <laughs> so it's always the first thing we have to do. And we move on from that. So thank I'm you. glad. And is there anything more you'd like to add about kind of the goals and missions of Kale? Yeah. First of all, again, thank you for having me. I'm just really thrilled to have this conversation. We're entering our 50th year and shameless plug. We have an annual conference this year. The 50th is New Orleans, the week of Halloween. So we'd love to see the audience there. We've the past two years, we've had our, our largest audiences ever. So we want to continue that and especially bless the 50th. So that's one. But you know, in this world of of systems alignment and intermediaries. We're right in the middle of that. We've really been focusing on our, we're in our membership. We have over 5,000 individual members, over 1,200 institutional members. And we've fashioned ourselves as more of an honest broker between higher education, industry and employers, and practitioners like workforce systems and the sort. So really excited to see those systems work together on behalf of learners and workers. Well, and that collaboration is just such an important part of what we hope to really promote through our work as well. And especially in an environment where the world has become increasingly digitally connected, there's just so much opportunity for this kind of alignment and really nurturing an ecosystem. Absolutely. And and that's the key to those three disparate um, systems is they sign up as members because they want to connect. So the goal is to make that as easy as possible. That's great. And so the subject matter today is very much about that industry education workforce ecosystem and grateful to bring your expertise and unique professional insights to this important conversation. So the first topic I want to dive into is around this concept of of skills and how there may be some disconnect as the world is rapidly changing and technology is impacting the world of work and the way we're all operating, international trends, and there's a lot of maybe misconceptions around what learners are achieving and what employers are seeking. And so I'm curious what Kale is seeing in this space around this kind of skills disconnect. Yeah, you know, great question. We often see the skills gap problem framed in a competing economy of STEM versus soft or essential skills, right? It's the critical thinking that has needs to happen, problem solving, leadership, teamwork. But I, we seem to think that a broader issue around the types of skills, the disconnect that happens when Individuals can link their competencies and their passions to viable education and career pathways. I mean, print analogy, training and praying, right? You, you enter a training program or you enter a degree program thinking, all right, this is going to lead to that great job that I want and desire. 
and it doesn't happen all the time. So again, this ecosystem approach of alignment is geared to help make that happen. So that's one. So Kale, you know, we're doing a lot around pathway navigation, working with those, again, those educators, those trainers, those employers to really synthesize the relevant data around job requirements. So again, to make the on-ramp much easier for learners and workers. I would just add that when you think about competencies, credentials, even virtual mentors for learners and workers, it's individualized, interactive guidance, how to work around the things that they need. So we really want to just, again, make that happen. We've got a few projects that's happening and we can talk about that later, but I just wanted to just set the tone for the conversation. That's perfect. And you shared how the the learners and the workers are really caught in the, the crosshairs of this disconnect and, you know, that the ability to navigate it, to know, you know, what are meaningful options that are the right fit for this pathway over what is now a lifetime of learning and not just a one and done mentality of education to career. And so, you know, I'm curious if you have any insights on how you're seeing this disconnect really impacting learners and the workforce. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, just things that don't resonate with the skills and the competencies that they have and their interest. And so it's really, how do we start to focus? Again, this alignment is important, but really make it more easier to navigate, easy to get motivated. Okay, I know the clear path. And it sounds easy when you talk about it, but it's not. And just the, the other things that, that then life gets in the way. So you have to account for all of that. So the goal here is to really think of ways to help an individual motivate themselves because I can see the, the forest of the trees, that whole old analogy. And then there's also the folks that take work that they don't like. And so it's just a lot of things I'm, I'm jumping around on that one because it really comes down to a couple of things for me, helping individuals identify and navigate career and education pathways and sync and what the multiple, multiple steps that happen within that. And also help them develop industry validated competencies that move them along those pathways. How do you sync that all together? It's really that we think it's that simple. I agree. And having to coordinate a number of players in each of those sequences is, is certainly a complex path forward. And also I'd speculate that the affordability factor of how all of these things fit together and how I think, and this is pure speculation, not based on data, increasingly individuals are seeking shorter, quicker, cheaper <laughs> solutions. Yeah. And, and yeah. the whole environment has shifted because it's easy to, to seek out and find something that you're looking for, whether it's validated or not, to your point, that yeah. might feel like a quick, affordable solution, but undermines a longer term investment. And the affordability factor is one that I think about often. Yeah, Amanda, thank you for that going there. We published a report this summer, early fall around the affordability. And Becky Klein-Collins from our team published that. We're really excited about it. It walks you through those possibilities. But it also, it creates more competition in the affordability measurement around those who will engage in a training program or a credentialing program versus the degree pathway. And ultimately, I love credentials. I love training programs. I love degree attainment as the ultimate goal for everyone. So we can marry those things together. That's not one versus the other. But it's hard when the affordability factor comes in. You get a, tra- yeah. a free training program through you know, Perscolis or Google or those kinds of regional training partnerships or whomever. It, it's, it feels easier. It feels that you can touch it and feel it as opposed to it's going to take me two years to complete this while I raise my family, why I'm working. So, again, navigation. 
And that kind of lends the conversation into this second segment, which is really about how education providers should be potentially thinking differently, operating differently, thinking about methods to support learners through these more creative pathways and how they should ultimately think about supporting the upward mobility and and economic growth of our workforce so that they are achieving these certain milestones in a way that's meaningful from a salary or other kind of cost benefit analysis over time. And so I'd love to hear what recommendations you'd make really to higher education. And and just for background, prior to this start of my third year, Kale, I've had the pleasure of running two workforce boards, workforce systems. I've had the pleasure running an organization that was a training provider and a training coordinator with training organizations and colleges and universities. I have an interesting perspective, but in all of those incarnations, what has always been at the forefront is industry-driven credentialing. So if you don't have an employer, cohort or employers, association, industry partnership going down the line, if you don't have it attached, it just doesn't work. And the, and the research proves that out. And just the, the reputation proves that out. So I just wanted to give that background. So from a Kale standpoint, it starts with viewing all credentials through the lens of relevant work, relevant learning. Is it connected to upper mobile and fits your economic goals? That's really how we kind of work with our work learners and workers around, and our partners on that. So it doesn't mean we're trying to throw out STEM pro, non-STEM programming, not at all. It, it all adds up. And so wherever you start at, it, it's going to connect to where you and where someone wants to go next. So it's, again, that's a common theme through this conversation is connecting and aligning these scenarios so individuals have the roadmap. That's one. But really making sure educators and trainers are in tune and aligned on the needs of those competencies they help produce and how it connects to one thing. So I'll talk about a couple of things. So I think one easy way, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's heard Kale speak or me speak, it's the use of credit for prior learning. And it's not just a tool to cheapen affordability because there's a lot of you know, ed- educators who feel that way. We know that, the audience knows that. But I want to talk about it from a few tangible ways to make connect. If you think about like vet and analyzing industry training needs and learning outcomes that they, they'll deliver, educators can establish CPL crosswalks to college completion. And that begins in the workplace and ends in the classroom. That's a sinking strategy right there. It's going to save students time and money, loss in boosting enrollment and completion. This research has shown that uh, CPL helps a student focus on, they're there for their end goal, so they're going to focus on that. It's a natural bridge between higher education and employment communities. It's promoting collaboration and partnerships and establishing really a really valuable pipeline, talent strategies, talented individuals for education institutions, those employers, and of course, the workforce pipeline. So I'm curious, the credit for prior learning, I I couldn't agree more that being able to sync real life experience and match them up to learning outcomes in in an education environment is absolutely one very important method in this approach. I'm curious how you feel about the increasing availability of industry-like aligned professional certifications. You mentioned Google and a few others earlier. Do you see a kind of a crosswalk uh, opportunity here as well? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we're, we're in most of our partnerships, especially our regional partners, we and others are aligning just that. So I'll just use an example. In some one market, you know, we brought training partners to a market to align with training providers. There. So really think of it, if you want to use the old two plus two model <laughs> from a training perspective. So let's say they went through a Google platform program. Great. It's, it's recognized by a few employers and they're working somewhere. 
now that employer wants to either upgrade them and rescale them. So what's the next best thing? Is it a program with a four year? Is it a community college producing something that's a next offset? So it's really aligning those steps that I said earlier. So that's, we've seen that quite a bit in, across the country. And it's actually been wonderful and how receptive training providers are, especially when there's resources for everyone, as opposed to, okay, my training program is going to get funded, but yours will not. That's still the, the, really the issue for the community college's adult high school program. Yeah, it has a great Nevada funding. So that's easier to align. It's just, a, it's really helping everyone sit down in the room and go, okay, here are the employers, here's what they need, and all of you are valued. Let's take these steps and get and start recruiting the pipeline for it. Yeah, and you very much described part of what I see as a an increasing need because I think, especially in the technology field, the desire to quickly get workforce into these enormous employment gaps that the industry needs. And um, that acceleration might be a short-term solution that then leaves a lot of learners trying to figure out what's next for me to keep advancing. And so um, I love the idea of being able to clearly articulate. And again, it may vary by employer but opportunities to keep stacking those types of experiences towards a meaningful long-term advancement strategy for that upward mobility. Absolutely. And it's not easy work, otherwise more would do it. But again, if if we can compile the resources so that, and also organize the employers, if really detail and assess what their needs are going to be and what's going to connect to them and what step, that's been proven to be the, the magical ecosystem that really works. And even better when they are willing to maybe even offset some of the cost. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, to that point, so we, we're seeing more and more of our industry partners, employers, really, as they learn more how critical prior learning works, they're the ones requesting that their workers you, um, go through this process so that they can refer them for their to complete their AA or their BA or whatever else other credential they need. So that's a really great innovation we're starting to see. That's fantastic. Well, and really a perfect example of of where I'm headed next, which is the concept of partnership and that it really requires us working together and thinking about how certain arrangements and collaborations can translate into more formal partnership agreements that help this model work. And so I'd love to hear about any specific examples that you've seen be really effective. I'm going to touch on some of the items that Kale is focused on at the moment and maybe touch on a couple others. Three years ago, I made the decision to come to Kale. There were two factors that really made it appealing to me. One, the great history and the great work with credit for prior learning. But what uh, what's not known, we have to do a better job of this, is for 20 plus years, we've managed, staffed, and brokered two industry education partnerships. I'll give you the name and we'll go to acronyms from here. So one is the National Alliance for Communication, Technology, Education, and Learning, or NACTEL. And the other is Energy Providers Coalition for Education, or EPSI. So NACTEL focuses on telecommunication industry and EPSI is the energy industry. So imagine Verizon, AT&T, the Communicate Workers of America, and then we have education partners embedded in that. And that's where a lot of the online upskilling and reskilling incumbent worker strategies happen. So that's pretty cool. Flip side of that energy side. So think Duke Energy and big energy companies like that, IBEW, and again, education partners embedded in that framework. So this is over 20 years and pretty major players. So we've seen it work firsthand. What's really exciting though is now we're working with those bodies to start to think holistic talent approaches. So how do you get your new frontline workers? How's your incumbent strategy? Start to really upscale and rescale and you keep backfilling from there. So that's the next incarnation we're working on with those bodies. And badges are important. Credentialing is important. Degrees are of course very important. 
online aspects are important. So it has all those pieces that we're seeing it from front row seat to all of this. That's really exciting examples. And so as I wrap us up here, I'm thinking really what kind of advice that you would recommend if institutions of higher ed, which is probably our, our primary audience here, yeah. were, were thinking about how to imagine themselves interfacing in this yeah. space. I heard you mention the link to, to employers as being an important consideration. What other advice would, would you put out there? Yeah. So I would start with that. I mean, most of the most institutions have an advisory group, employer council or something. So most of it's embedded. It's how do you start to really use them? Yes, they're important for their advisory role. They're important for, but really think about them, have them think about themselves as your employer and how you're going to benefit them and how your program is going to attach to that. So that's, that's an easy one because it's already there. The second one is start having conversations with your local workforce system and their local plans. Every two years, local workforce boards put together local plans. You should, our education partner should be embedded in that. So that the VOA pieces connect and support the credentialing program and support key um, degree programs. And, and it's aligned that way. And the other part is in that alignment is workforce boards have a mandatory board of SB led by business. So I think 51% of their board make up is business and industry. So you have that as another partner there. So just in that alone, you've got industry led education and practitioners coming together. That's one way. The second one is just give us a call at Kale. And we can provide some technical assistance on the, the the smart ways and the expedient ways to make this alignment happen to work for you and your institution. That's great, Earl. And at Acadium, we're also very much thinking yes. about how to support our ecosystem in our network of schools and being thinking about these pathways and the expertise that Kale is offering in this area. And thinking about these milestones across the education and career continuum, you just provide such tr tremendous insights. And so we are so grateful to you for helping to lead that effort. Well, again, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to the audience and just know that we really value the work that Kadim does. So I couldn't be prouder to be a part of this conversation today. Well, so grateful for your leadership and the tremendous work that you are doing and Kale is doing. And so uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Earl for his insight. Acadium is helping institutions future-proof with our new skills marketplace by connecting learners with the skills and certifications needed along the education career continuum. We're here to help your institution meet the challenges facing higher education and to serve the modern day learner. Make sure to subscribe to the Partnerships for Progress podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you know when the next conversation is live.